and yet it gives us so much information that we need to have in our own life. And a lot of it we know, but it's always just good to go back and review it. So Colossians chapter 3, and as always, does everybody have a handout today? Even my wife? Okay. Alright, I can't believe it. I was so messed up. Was it last week? I try to get all my ducks in a row and sometimes I get here and it's just like somebody let them all go. And I'm like, nothing's working. And I'm like, last week, I, or two weeks ago, I gave her the, the wrong lesson. I skipped her the first time and then I gave her the wrong lesson. So, um, see, you should, you should kind of over, I used to kind of practice on Carrie, what I was going to say and do when I preached and when I taught. And she's kind of got to the point, Bob, I don't want to know. <laughs> I want to know when you get here. And then she gets, well, you did this and you did that. And I'm like, you didn't help. <laughs> but she's working on me, so I'm a work in progress. Okay, yes. Yeah. And, and new guys that are starting to preach, they do that. They'll go home and practice to their wives and their wives get sick of it. And they're like, stop. <laughs> Stop doing that. I'll just sit there and give you hand signals. Oh, will ya? Okay, you guys, you just gotta well, bear with me. That's what the new wives are saying. I'll just yeah. give you hand signals. Yeah, and if you ask Brian or any of the other guys, they'll tell you the same thing. Yep, he used to do that. Until I put a stop to it. <laughs> or Amy. Okay, Colossians chapter 11. Or I'm sorry, chapter 3. Lesson 11. So, chapters 1 and 2 of Colossians teach, and you have a blank. What goes in your blank, guys? Where do they teach? First two chapters of Colossians teach doctrine. Okay? Right. And then chapters 3 and 4 teaches how, or the practical side of it. So it's real simple. The first two chapters is this is what God wants you to know. He wants you to know His mind. He wants you to know who He is. He wants you to know what He's doing. He wants you to realize what He's doing in your life. And these are the aspects of it. But then chapters 3 and 4 is, okay, so now we've given you all the information. How do you implement that in your life? And I'm like, man, I, I like this. It's real, real easy, okay? So Colossians chapter 3. And let's just read 1 through 9. And, and we're going to review just a little bit of what we did uh, two weeks ago because we've all slept since then, right? And uh, maybe not enough, but we tried. Uh, chapter 3, verse 1 of Colossians says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members, which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when you lived in them, but now ye also put off all these. And then in this anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication, out of your mouth, lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. So let me stop right there. So that was two weeks ago. And, and the Bible says right off the bat, seek those things which are above and set your affections on things above. So put our focus on heaven. 
Now, how many of you want to focus on today? Well, a lot of us do, but you know what? We want to focus on the problems we have today, you know? Set your affection on things above because the problems will come and problems will go. Okay? Seek those things that are above. Set your affections on things above and put on the new you. Have you ever thought about it? We see this in the Bible, you know, putting on, put off the old man, put on the new man. Okay? And so I think I did a paper once about putting off the old man and putting on the new, but really it's putting off the old you and putting on the new you in Christ. And if we think about that in our mind, it's like, you know what? I am not the old man. I'm not where I used to be. You know, a few years ago, I think Life Issues had people come up and uh, they had a sign and this is what I was and then this is what I am. And they all had a different... You guys remember that? It's been a while back. But I thought, that is so cool. I was lost. Now I'm saved. You know, I was like this. Now I'm not. You know, and it's like the the old you. We're not the that we're not the old you anymore. I'm not the old me anymore. We are a new creature in Christ. So we need to continue to put that old man off, even though we live with him, unfortunately, and put on the new man daily. I once did a devotion once, and I told a group of men what we got to do every day is just put ourselves in the rifle scope and pull the trigger and kill ourselves. That might be kind of rough, but again, I'm kind of that was with a group of guys. In other words, we need to mortify, we need to kill the old man because the old man is sinful, the old man is against God, the old man is is not righteous, and so. But every day we've got to die to self and live for Christ. Okay, and die, you know, uh, mortify, we need to put down the old man. That's a nice way of saying it. <laughs> That's what you do with an animal. You put him down. Okay, say it however you want. Put down, kill, destroy, whatever. We need to put the old man down in our life. In other words, we've got to put Christ first and put ourselves at the bottom. Okay, so put on the new you. The new you in Christ. And then there was five things that we talked about that we were to kill. And what were those five things? I don't really want to write them down because I'll probably misspell half of them. Uh, chapter 3, it says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And if you look at that list, it's a downward spiral. And if you look at that list, there's something that connects all of them. Anybody see a connection in all those? What connects all those? Fornication, uncleanness, sexual sin. And it was just like I said a few weeks ago, what's what's the new... uh, New term that the the woke the LG group uses. This week or last week? This week. I don't know. They got a new one. I don't know. Probably do. Okay. So LGBT. They added two more. P and S. Did I put a Q? LGBTQ. Sorry. Got to get the Q in there. Okay. LGBTQPS. Okay. Lesbian, gay. What's the B? Bisexual. Bisexual. 
Trans. Queer. Pedophilia. Satanic. Satan. That's their new, that's their new, what do we want to call it? What they call themselves. So what you see here, acronym, okay. So what you see here is a downward spiral that starts up here and it's, all these are sexual sins and they just go straight down to what? Worshiping Satan. The same thing on this list here. They will take you down. You know, that's why God said in the Old Testament, when you go in, He goes, I want you, Moses, and your group to go in, and I want you to wipe this group off the map. Because they were so involved in that, He didn't want His children to get in that. And you think about that. Well, that's a pretty cruel God to want to wipe these people out. What were they doing? What was the sexual sins that they were doing? What were they doing to their own people? And God says, you got to get rid of them. Because if you allow them to live, number one, Number one, I'm the one putting judgment on these people, not you. I want you to do this. Number two, if you let them continue to stay, they will infiltrate you and cause you to do that. Mm -hmm. So he goes, it's always a downward spiral. This list here is a downward spiral. Because you think about it, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness. And most of us don't think covetousness would be in that list. But it is, which is idolatry. And the men we were talking yesterday when we went to eat lunch, that, um, you know, what, what is causing the evil in our world today? It's really the love of money. You know, the Bible tells us it's the love of money. So we have people today, globalists, that went to, and they get their thinking directly from Satan, Satan is the god of this world because we think everybody should be, well, we should be kind with another. We should love people and the world's not like that because the world is being governed by Satan and Satan wants to, number one, kill and destroy us. And so you'll see these globalists, they want to kill us. Bill Gates already says that, is it three fourths of the world needs to be wiped out? Population down to just 500 million. And how many million do we have now? Eight billion. Wow. Okay. So you know what? I saw the same thing when we were going through church history, and I was going through the French Revolution. When they went through the French Revolution and kicked out King Charles and Queen Antoinette or whatever their names were, the people that took charge, the very first thing they decided, we've got to get rid of 40 percent of the population. We need to kill them. I don't think they succeeded, but they tried. So you see the same mentality. So what do you think that mentality comes from? Satan. Satan Satan has got people today that wants to wipe out three-fourths of the world. But he doesn't just want to kill us. He wants to torture us while he kills us. Mm -hmm. And he wants to make money off of us. I mean, you talk about evil. And once you get that in your head, you realize that is the world system and that is a system that we don't want to be in. And that our thinking has to be, we need to be focused on the Lord, but we also need to know what the enemy's doing. Okay, so I'm probably seeing a lot more than I want to. When they were first talking about doing that insurance like Canada does, they were people were saying that they're just trying to wipe out the elderly because it takes so long to get appointments and that the elderly will die 
and that's been kept down the population. That was what was going around back then. But it's it's all the same, the same you know. We it's the same thing that went on with Hitler. It's the same thing that's went on with these other dictators, with with Stalin and all these guys. If you look at what they do. We're kind of seeing the same thing going on today. Okay, so my point is, it's bad. Okay, the old man was bad too because it says, now it didn't say just get these out of your life. It said to mortify them. You have to kill these. And then we talked about seven things that are unpleasing unto God. So let's read those real quick. Again, we're just reviewing last week. Uh, verse 8 says, But now ye also put off all these didn't say to kill them, so the wording is a little bit less. We want you to just completely annihilate the first five. These things you need to get rid of, but the language isn't quite as strong. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. So these things are a lesser degree than what the first ones are. Why? Because they won't bring you down to the pit of hell like those first five will. Okay? And so, you know, that we live in our world today, you know, uh, sex and, and how it is implied is, oh, that's just normal. No, it'll take you down. And yet we, we know that. I know I'm speaking to the choir. So these seven things are we are to get out of our life because they're unpleasing to God. The first things God is just abhorred or is just terrified at when we do that in our life. So we need to put off the old man, the old you, and put on the new man. Now, I'll just speak for myself. There are some times that I'd like to go back in a time machine and redo something that I said or did when I was younger. Any of you there? Unfortunately, there's I don't get a redo. <laughs> okay, Remember when you're a kid and you're like, Hey, I want to redo. That's what I would like to have, a redo. You know, I hear people say, well, you know, if you got the opportunity to go back to when you was 21 and start over again, would you do it? And they go, oh, no. I'm like, yeah, I would. I'd jump at it. Not just because I'd be younger, but, man, there's some things I'd like to correct. But we have the opportunity to have a new do right now in Christ. Right. But we we can't do that. So we've got to start from where we're at now. I like what you said, Sharon. Do you think that if you did go back and change things and become a Christian sooner, do you think that you would have met Carrie and had those kids? If you're changing things. Well, I got saved when I was 10, but I didn't live for the Lord for a long time. And so um, there's a lot of things that I would have done different. But I don't get that opportunity, but I can start from today Correct. forward. And that's the attitude we need to have. Everything might have changed. Mm-hmm. Well, there's still a few things I'm like, well, I hope, yeah. I hope that doesn't come that. up at the yeah, judgment seat of Christ. That, but, right. But, and so I think I'm, I'm pulling this out because we need to remember that on a daily basis. I don't want to be the old me. And hopefully you guys don't want to be the old you. You want to be what God wants you to be, okay? And again, I'm talking to the choir, I'm talking to the church group here. Everyone in here, I believe, is saved. So, we need to put off the old man, put on the new, it's a daily basic. Now we're up to where I wanted to be, Colossians 3, and we're going to read 10 to 25, and then we'll back up and see what we can pull out of this. Starting in verse 10, it says, And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge. Remember, that's that word knowledge. 
We've been seeing that all through the book of Colossians, especially in uh, chapter 1, verse 8, if I believe, 8 and 9, that we are renewed in knowledge after the image of Him that created Him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Now let me stop there again. Where are these people that say the Bible is not relevant? Let me get my words right today. Relevant today. Take them right here. Uh, I taught once in, or several times for Steve in Life Issues and a couple of the places I went was Ephesians and Colossians. Here's some things that you shouldn't do. Here's some things that you should do. Very simple. Okay? And then verse 14 says, And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfect, perfectness. Perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. And then it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. So these are some more things to do as putting on the new man, putting on the new you. So when you read this, it's like, okay, I've got, this is what I need to put in, uh, Bob. This is what I gotta put in myself, okay? And so it says here that the new man is renewed in knowledge after, and then you have a blank. What do you think goes in that blank? Salvation. What's that? Okay, salvation could go in. It would definitely fit, but I'm looking for something else. The new man is renewed in knowledge. Who's that knowledge after? Christ. Christ Christ is what I'm looking for. The new man is renewed in knowledge after Christ because now we have Christ's Spirit living in us and all these things we're going to look at, a lot of them are characteristics that Christ has. So we want to be like Christ, right? And we will be like Him eventually. But now, we need to put the characteristics that Christ has in our life. Okay, So the new man is renewed in knowledge after Christ. Number two, it says the new man has no classes. All are equal. And we sit there and we look at that and we're like, 
What are you talking about? Everybody's on an equal plane here in the United States. Really? Has it always been that case? Is that something that we went away with? Or is it still here? It's still here. You're right. It's still here. Um, you know, we think about that. Um, um, you know, we still have classes. I'll talk about that in a minute after I get down the list. I'm jumping ahead of my notes. So the new man has no classes. Everything, all people are equal. There is no Greek it talks about. So when it says no Greek here in Colossians, uh, they're basically where, where the Jews lived. And basically, most of the world, people spoke Greek. Because the Greek society and civilization had pretty well spread around the world with Alexander the Great. And then the Romans just took up on that. But uh, they did, wasn't speaking Roman. Romans didn't speak Roman. They were speaking Greek. So you have that Greek civilization around the world. Their empire still had an impact. impact. So it says, we're all equal. There's no Greek. There's no Jew. There's no circumcision or uncircumcision. In other words, these classes don't make any difference. doesn't mean they wasn't there. In Christ, we're all equal. There's no, there's no up, no classes going up and down the ladder. And then it says no barbarian. You ever been called a barbarian? Rex, you ever been called a barbarian? I don't know. Maybe worse. Probably worse than that, huh? How about you, Mark? How about heathen? Anybody ever call you a heathen? My grandmother called me heathen. Okay, yeah, I think some, I've been called heathens probably before. Uh, and I think heathen's real similar to barbarian. And that's basically a foreigner. A barbarian is a foreigner. Okay? And so, and then the next word, it says no Scythian. If I'm pronouncing that right. Is it Scythian? 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 Scythian. Okay. So, I had to go look that up because I don't use that word. And anybody have a guess what that meant or who they were? <laughs> it's people from Northern Asia. And we would call them Russian today. So we're talking about people living far, people living near. And then it says no bond or free. Or there's no, there's no difference really between if you're a slave or if you're free. And you know, uh, when Carrie and I went uh, down south the last, last, I think that was a year ago we went down there and we went to some plantations that was down there off of, uh, right out of Charleston. And we found out that uh, there were white people that sold themselves into slavery so they could witness and minister to the slaves. And they would even start churches inside the plantations. In fact, we went to a church that had been, or a building, church building that had been built. And so there was white people that had indentured themselves, so in order to witness to the slave, the black people that was here from Africa and wherever they were from. And so it makes no difference, you know. And we were thinking, that, oh, well, that guy's just that—that's—that's kind of rough, isn't it? To sell yourself into slavery. So you can witness to the slaves. But that person had the idea, hey, we're all the same. Makes no difference. I'll do whatever I have to do to be able to, to get to a certain group. And that's the way Paul was. He goes, I, I, I will be all things to all men. Whatever I need to do to get to those people to, to be a witness to them. And so we still have classes today. This bond and free, but we still have classes today. Look at India. Does India have classes? Rex? So Rex? Yeah, so Rex has been there 
And so when when uh, we were doing Bibles a couple of weeks ago, Doug and Bethany was here and they went and ate lunch with us and they was talking to us about the classes, wasn't they, ladies? And and they basically said that higher up group there in India, they consider the next groups down like dogs. And if you're a woman, they consider you to be less than a dog. And even, so I think Carrie's question to Doug was, so what does that upper class do when they get to the United States? Same thing. And they said basically the same thing. And then I think Julie Foster said she worked with some Indian men that was just, they just degraded her all the time. And so, yeah, there's a caste system still today and it's hard to leave that. And it's and, and Doug actually said when we go to India and minister to the people, uh, the pastors that I work with and so forth are of the lower class because it's so much easier to get them to understand or listen to the Bible. But the upper class, you can't even touch them. He said they're so far out there that you, they will not listen to you. They will treat you worse than a dog. And so, yeah, we still have that today. And then I just talked about earlier about globalists. You know, there are groups that have, they're the haves and the have-nots. And one of my favorite movies, Shooter, the guy's on there, he goes, Guy, son, you gotta remember, there are the haves and the have-nots. What side are you on? And that's what a lot of people think. You know, you either have money or you don't have money. You either have power or you don't have money. You're either in the in-group or you're not in the in-group. That just reminds me, when you're in school, they have cliques, right? My wife hates cliques. She, she hates clicks, and I do too. I'm like, I, but I, I never was in one because I never got to be there. But anyway, um, we watch every so often when there's nothing on TV, we'll put a CD on and we'll watch Downton Abbey. Anybody in here watch that? Okay. Here's what amazes me. Even the servants in there have classes. And I'm like, you would think if you are a servant, you would wise up to this that everybody's basically the same. Even though they have to put up with serving their, their, the, the higher up end. But they treat people like, like on the lower end of the scale. Like if you're a maid, well you're way below them because they're the butler, you know. And I'm like, you guys. Uh, that's something else. Um, I, and even here among Harrisonville, when, when I was in Cleveland, there was a man in church, and you guys know him, Brian Clark. Brian Clark was a very educated man, very smart man. Uh, but he had a job usually that was Washington or some working for the government. And so he would fly out every week and come home on the weekends. This guy was an intelligent man. And I had one of the guys at church that was a high up person in the church says, well, he's not one of us. I said, what do you mean Brian's not one of you? He goes, well, he's not from here. And I'm like, he's lived here 20 years. He sent his kids to school here. He goes to church here. He goes, doesn't make any difference. He's not one of us. And I'm like, wow. You're not one of them. Okay. Oh, you don't? Even though you're from Archie. Since you married a heretic, then you're out too? No, because I'm not from the right family. Oh, you're not from the right family. It's not just the fact that... It's not just the fact that he's a heretic. He's a heretic from the wrong class. Oh, and he's a city boy on top of it. 
did a lot of volunteer stuff with the PTO and the band and all this, and she organized some of the events that they had and everything, and she still... Still is ostracized. She's an outsider. It's okay. You can come. You can participate. You can lead. You can do this. You can give your money and you can do that. But you're still an outsider. You're not part of us. Okay. So the reason God has this in Colossians for us is we're supposed to be different than all of this that's going on right now. I mean, this was then, but this is also now. Right. I mean, what he's giving us is now. We've got to live by his rules and not... Our own right, mm-hmm. and it says at the end of the chapter that God is no respecter of persons, and we can see that all the way through the Bible. He doesn't care who you are, whether you're a king or a pauper. He wants your heart. He wants to have a relationship with you, and that's the way we should be. And I think we try, for the most part, I think, you know, knowing people in here, you know, I don't think we let things affect us like that, different classes and so forth. I'll talk to anybody. You know, but then, but then you can see that in our society. That's why that's why Hillary called us deplorables, because we wasn't up to the level she was. And I'll, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> you don't want to be there. Okay, so. Uh, <laughs> all right, well, we'll keep going. I'm, thankfully, we don't have to hear a whole lot about her. I'm sure the rest are just as bad. But anyway, so there. I mean, that's the, we need to have the attitude that, hey, God loves everybody and we do too. Number three says, the new man, the new us, being the elect of God, being holy, and being beloved. Do you just see what God has brought us into? We are the elect of God, we are holy, and we are beloved in Christ's eyes. That's the attitude we need to have. And put, we are to put on, and we have a list of here, and we have a list of things that are going on, and if we really go back, kind of like uh, the fruit of the Spirit, are all character qualities that Christ has. So when we put on Christ, we're, we are to act and have the character qualities that Christ has. So is that not practical? How do you be like Christ? Here we have a list. Number one, it talks about we are to have bowels of mercy. So, Again, what does that mean? It means that we are to be filled with mercy on the inside. It's a indwelling. It's a disposition that we have. It's a quality that we have, and it should just flow out of our being. Okay. Um, yeah. Look at. Uh, let's go to Philippians one eight, and we'll see if we can find out a little more about this. Uh, Philippians one eight. And this is Paul speaking, and he says, For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. So again, right back here with what we're talking about, our bowels, bowels of mercy, it's kind of like the, the, like I said, it's the disposition, the indwelling of what Christ is in us. And did you have a good verse, Roger? Okay. I'm sure, I mean, Ephesians, Philipp, all the, all the church epistles, you'll see these over and over in guys. And so we are to have bowels of mercy. It should just be flowing out of who we are. And then it talks about kindness. Colossians 3, uh, let me get back to where I'm at. Um, what verse, uh, verse 12. Bowels of mercies, 
kindness. Now we know what kindness is. Humbleness of mind. Uh, we, we are to be humble. Okay? Uh, if you're writing notes, put down 1 Peter 5. And uh, turn over to Romans chapter 12. I'm just, this isn't quite in my notes. I just threw it in this morning. So I'm throwing this in for free today. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Says, I beseech you therefore, I beg you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, there's the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which your, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Verse 3, For I say through the grace given in me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So again, we are to be humble. We're supposed to have that mentality that Christ has. Okay? Bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, and then meekness. What does meekness mean? Restrained power. Perfect, yeah. Um, having submission. There you go. You know, a lot of people think being uh, meek is, you know, just... You can't, I can't talk. Uh, I'm a little mousy type person. No, no, no. That's not, Jesus was not like that. He was just submissive and it also means softness of temper, being able to control yourself, like you all said. And then our next word is long suffering. Having extreme patience. Okay. Uh, forbearing one another. So what does that mean? Again, enduring, uh, Enduring, uh, like you guys, having to endure with all my illustrations. <laughs> endure, endure. Uh, forbearing one another. Enduring. Then forgiving one another. And then it puts charity at the end of the list. And that is the highest form of love, right? Having charity. Page number two. I think mine matches yours. So number four says, the new man. Any blanks in there? I didn't put a ton of blanks today. Right, so number four will have a blank. The new man, which is you, lets God, God's peace, peace goes in your blank, rule in his heart. Verse 15, let me read it. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also you are called in one body and be ye thankful. You know, have you ever had times in your life when you had no peace? Yeah, I think we've all been there. Have you ever had times in your life when you asked God to give you some and He gave it to you? I mean, out of some extreme circumstances. I've been there. I was telling a pastor about that once and he just told me, he told me I was on drugs. That's what he said. I was in the hospital. But, <laughs> that's when I'm like, Lord, whatever you do with me is fine. I'll just be honest with you. I told the Lord when I when I was in the hospital, I said, Lord, whatever you do with me is fine. Whether I live or die, I'm, I'm great. Just don't have any pain involved in it if you can help it. <laughs> I just didn't want to feel any pain. But I'm like, I was okay with that. Um, I know how Carrie was, but I also know uh, when our daughter was born, she was eight weeks early. 
And so she was in the NIC unit for a month. They told us she'd be in there for two months. But we, our church prayed her out in only one month. And that's true. Because the nurse was like, we can't believe you guys are going home. And I'm like, because it's, it, it, nobody gets out of here in that position. No baby gets out of here that small in, t- in at least two months. And you guys are going home in a month. That's just, we've never seen that. And I go, I know why. But, uh, there was a lady that came in and her baby had jaundice. So they put her under the belly Reuben lights. Is that how it was? And this lady is just hysterical. I mean, she sobbed. He, her husband couldn't console her. I mean, she's just a mess. And there were several parents in there with babies that may not make it. I mean, very bad situation. And all of them knew that this baby probably within 24 hours would be out of there and maybe even home. Because it wasn't... I mean, it's it's a severe situation, but it's something that can be corrected very easily. Where the other people that had babies there, you know, it's going to be a struggle for them to get out. And this, And I looked at this lady and I thought, there's a difference between having Christ in your life and not having Christ in your life. Now, I know Christians can, can go to pieces and, and, and be emotional too, but I mean, you could just see it with this lady. You could just see a difference because she was, she had no peace at all. And it's like she didn't know, and I don't know if we got a chance to witness to her. Carrie kept trying, praying to witness to, to people, to a nurse, right? You were trying to pray for witnessing to nurses and it was, but it ended up being some of the moms in there also. Now I remember that quite well, but I remember that lady. I'll never forget her. It was like, it was like you were killing her child. And I'm like, this lady had no peace at all. And, uh, but anyway, so, we need to have peace, and we, it needs to rule our heart. Is, is heart is heart also a blank? Number four, do you have two blanks on there? Okay, I didn't have mine highlighted. The new you needs to let God's peace rule in your heart. Okay, number five, the new you, the new man, lets God's word rule in your life. But you just can't beat this Bible, can you? Is that good advice? You know, yeah, it's it's great advice. Um, verse fifteen it says, "Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. And let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching. What's the word of God do? Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord." So number uh, number six is the new you has a song in your heart. You know, when we go out here and sing in a little bit, and I've been accused of this, of being kind of dreary when I sing, or not having the right attitude when I sing. But you know what? That's a chance that we get to sing back to God His praise. And we need to focus on it. I need to focus on that. That's one of my shortcomings. Um, but, you know, we need to... And now, dancing up and down the aisle... I probably won't do. But singing I can do. Kind of. Okay? And, and, um, and if I'm sitting around somebody else that's not quite up to par with me, I'll try to over, over, over sing them. Once, just cause I need help them out a little bit. But I'm not that good a singer either. I remember once I was in a car and we were going, no, we wasn't in it. This happened twice. I was at my grandmother's church. Carrie and I was there. And my my grandmother and uncle started singing because they were there, and they were awful. 
So we sing a little louder. They sing a little louder. We sing a little louder. They sing a little louder. Finally, I looked at Carrie and I'm like, just stop. <laughs> and, and it was funny because that's, that's what happened. Yes, Paula. I'm just going to share, um, we've been watching Quarterback on Netflix. Okay. And last night, it was like the second to the last episode. Episode, thank you, of the thing. And they've been highlighting Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and another. Mark Mariota. Mariota. Anyway, Kirk Cousins is the Minnesota Vikings quarterback, and, you know, they made it to the playoffs last year. So they've been going through watching all this stuff. And it was so obvious that he's a Christian. And to see his countenance all through that mm-hmm. compared to the others yeah. was amazing. And then they lost terribly in the playoff game. And he went home, and at the end of the episode, he was saying, I'm Christ's solid rock I stand. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was... His uh, countenance was just amazing, and then he's 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 singing to God yeah. at the end of the day. He was so disappointed. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I just I have yeah. a new respect for. So Christ is His peace and His rock, and, and so no matter what happened. So he was singing that song over his little over voice. Over his little voice. He put him to bed. Yeah. Okay. He's probably trying to remind himself this is what's important. Mm-hmm. And it was but so he did it. Him and his wife. Really? And, okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could just see. You could just, you could see, just see it. Christ. Okay. That's how all of us should be. People ought to see Christ in us just by our actions. Not just our words, but our actions and our words. And we should have that joy, joy, joy down in our heart, right? Uh, we should have that. And I think a lot of times we kind of get over that and we have the attitude of the guy in the grocery store. And I may have told you this story, so I apologize if I've told it. There's this lady checking out and, and the man behind her has like ten things and she has this piled up cart. She goes, won't you come up and get in front of me? She kind of looked at him and he looked like, you know, something was going on with him. He goes, no, I'm okay. And so a couple, a little bit later she goes, why don't you go ahead? And the guy goes, no, I'm good. And she goes, are you feeling okay? Do you feel all right? Do you need to sit down? He goes, no, I feel fine. She goes, well, well what's what's going on? He goes, well, I'm just a Christian. <laughs> a lot of Christians have an attitude like, oh, you know, kind of like, uh, what was that donkey on Winnie the Pooh? Eeyore. Yeah, okay, Eeyore. I mean, that dude was down all the time, wasn't he? I haven't watched that for a long time, so when my little granddaughter gets older, we'll probably be showing her those movies or those shows. But anyway... We shouldn't have that attitude because people are watching us, right? So we need to put on the new you, okay? And we need to have a new song in our heart. And then he gives us some instructions for the family unit. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these except for the first one. Uh, that was a joke. Uh, <laughs> so wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. You know what? Because that's kind of where it hits the rubber that most... Women have problems submitting to their husbands. And most husbands have a problem showing their wife that they love them. And so we're just getting practical information uh, that we need to have. Children, obey your parents. Very simple. And you know, that doesn't happen a lot. You know, I know, I know when we would go places, 
our two kids behaved pretty well because if they didn't, I'd take them out back. Even to the point where even my own mother-in-law thought I was a child beater, but I'm like, no. <laughs> but she also would take take Jeremy out. Uh, her parents would take Jeremy out and go someplace, and they would always have people come up and go, your son, your grandson is so well-behaved. Just want to tell you that. Um, children need to obey their parents, and they need to be taught to obey your parents. And I'll, I'll stop there, because we've all been in that boat. You've either had children or was a child at one time, or still are. Uh, fathers, provoke not your children to anger. I've seen fathers do that. Oh boy, have I seen fathers do that. And it just, it really messes up the kid. You know? You got a bully at school, I guarantee you, his father's a bully. And right now in the society we live in, there's a lot of bully men out here. There's a lot of bully women out there too. But I, I can just spot them. I mean, it's like, um, and then you can kind of see how their kids are. Uh, fathers, provoke not your children to anger because it goes right back in with children obeying your parents. Servants, obey your masters. So, you know what? The closest thing we have that to that is at the workplace. But can you imagine being a slave to someone and he's saying you need to obey what your master says and you need to do it without any lip or any eye rolling. Because why? Because what we do is really going to be judged by Christ. Okay? Number eight. It says, Do all things as, as to the Lord, knowing that it will be Christ. Christ goes your inner blank. Christ who rewards you. Now, a lot of us want to be patted on the head today. But you know what we really need to focus on? When we're at the judgment seat of Christ, when, when Christ pats us on the head, or He tells us, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we need to be focused on because that's what's going to count. Because I guarantee you, if your boss tells you, and that's good, if your boss tells you you did a good job, or if somebody gives you a compliment, that's great, and we should do that. But we really need to focus on Christ giving us that compliment. Okay, and again, nothing that we don't already know. And so this practical advice in the book of Colossians, as we wrap this up, I have a couple more things. Says, we put off the old man, which is the old you, by refusing to give in to his request. So how do I live for Christ? How do I put Christ into my life? Just don't give in to the flesh. Okay, we know that. If you're taking notes, uh, Romans chapter 6, 6 through 14 would be good. And then the last sentence I have is, we put on the new man, which again is the new you, by yielding to the Holy Spirit. And we see both, we see one in verse three and the other one in verse four that we talked about last week. Let me give you a few more cross references for this last verse. Uh, Galatians five, five through twenty-one. Romans chapter eight, eight through fourteen. And Ephesians chapter 4, 21 through 22. And like I said before, the things we see in Colossians, we'll see almost all of them in the book of Ephesians. And we'll see in Philippians, we'll see in the church epistles, the ones that are written to the church, because they are there to give us information how to live our life. So I got one more statement and we'll wrap stuff up. So God has given us His Word. We, we saw that here, number five. The new man lets God's word rule in our life. So God has given us a Bible. Now, when we get to stand before God, 
we will have no excuse. We will have no excuse for our sins and the Christian will have no excuse because he didn't have the training because God has given us his book. God didn't put his book in a cave somewhere. I mean, there might have been one left in a cave. God has given his church, church the book because he wants to know us and he wants us to live for him. We can't do that if we don't have it. So when you have these people that say, well, we don't know if we have the Word of God. Well, then that would be like saying God's telling the church, I want you to live for me, but I'm not going to give you instruction for 2,000 years. So God didn't hide His book away from the church. God has put His book in their hands so they can know Him and have a relationship with Him and they can put it in their lives and live it out so they can be judged by how they do that. And for the people that say we, we don't know what God wants from us, they just need to read the book. <laughs> okay. It's just an excuse. It is an excuse. But you see it all the time. You see it in, in uh, uh, high, high academic places. We, you, we don't know if we have the book. Well, how's God going to judge us? And even at the great white throne judgment, what's He going to judge with? His Word. So he's given us his word to live by and to know him because why? The most important thing that Christ wants is to have a relationship with us. And we can only have that if we have the book. And, and, uh, I remember once I heard this guy, you go to all types, I go to all types of funerals. I remember this once and, and I understand you want to kind of uh, make the guy or the person that passed away. You want to, you know, you want to talk about good things about him. You don't want to just, you know, get up there and tell him how dirty, rotten scoundrel the guy is. But then a lot of times I've been to funerals where they just flower the guy up. So when you walk out of there, you're like, man, I didn't realize that guy was such a saint. <laughs> I didn't see it. But I mean, but I've been to some and I heard a preacher get up there and he said, you know, uh, uh, let me see, uh, Freddie here. Freddie had a relationship with God. He didn't come to church services. But, you know, while he was out on the riverbank on Sunday morning, he was, he could see who God was, who God is through creation. So basically everything's cool. And I'm sitting there thinking, no, 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 no. You can know there's a God because you see it in creation, but you can't know God outside of His Word and outside of spending time in His Word and in the church that's teaching His Word. So there's a big difference. Okay. So how do we know that? And that all fits right back into his word. We've got to know his word. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we just thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray not only that we would know your word, that we would live it out in our life, Lord. And I pray you give us uh, people in our life to witness to. I, I pray that you'd give us circumstances where... Um, we can just shine for you and be a testimony for you, Lord. So I pray that in our lives, Lord, that you'd help us see those instances. And basically, I just pray that we'd, we would be that way all the time. That uh, whatever people see us, whether we're good times or bad times, they see you. So I pray that we would live our life for you and we will give you the honor and glory for it. And again, I pray for the main service. I pray for new people that are coming in, uh, maybe people that don't know you as Lord and Savior. And I pray that everyone in the church service this morning would be obedient to what the Holy Spirit tells them to do or to say. And I just ask you give us the words to greet the people that are here. And in Christ's name, amen. All right.
Well, you all have a good week this week.